What's up, what's up, what's up, my people? It's your boy, A-D-U, and you are tuning into yet another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. And we have a special, special, powerful, incredible, fairy ish type episode for you this evening. But first, you know how ADQ do, you know how I like to do. I like to start off every episode with the word. And this is very apt to our conversation with me, with myself and my guest tonight. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. And it reads, two are, more, two are better than one, as is in theater. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall... One will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that it, who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth. Then an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a theater person. We all know that. If you don't know that, then you need to go back across the other um 14 episodes of ADQ's Renaissance. I'm a theater person. It is very possible. It is very difficult to do theater by yourself. It's a collaborative art. Like when I did, when I did, um, uh, when I did time, I tried doing everything by myself. I produced it. I tried to make sure, I tried to get the lighting together, though I wasn't lighting it. Uh, Randy Morris did. Um, I acted in it, I directed it. I still need to pay the, pay the actors. I will though. <laughs> my point is, my point is, I tried to do every single thing by myself and it doesn't work that way. When you're in theater, it's a collaborative art. That's why I read that scripture because when you are doing something of powerful substance, you can't try to do it by yourself. Like <clears throat> a friend of mine, Joe Rosinski, Joey Rosinski, said to me something powerful once and it made a ton of sense to me. We are all in this world together. Nobody is by themselves. We're all in this together, so we have to use, so we have to benefit off of each other for whatever reasons. So that's so that's that. You know, don't ostracize yourself, don't isolate yourself. Go out, love people. You know, be great to people. That's why I say to anybody. Now, um, I think tonight is the um is the Prince Grammy tribute. I just want to say that CBS don't screw it up. Please don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Prince is a legend. Prince is our legend. Growing up, I'm 34. Growing up, I kind of thought that Prince was Michael Jackson with a haircut. I was a kid. Don't judge me. I was a kid. Um, but as I got into Prince, you know, it, it would it, it'd be great if Prince and Michael Jackson were alive and could do one of those IG battles. It would be epic. Yeah, I mean epic. 
people compare Prince and Michael Jackson together a lot. Obviously, Michael Jackson's my guy. I love Prince, but Michael Jackson's my guy. Personally, I think that both of them uh, had great voices. Both of them could go falsetto if need be, which uh, Michael Jackson kind of started to lose that ability um, during during the bad era, or shot, or maybe during Dangerous. I think it was during Dangerous when Michael Jackson started to lose his voice, started to get a little a little a little heavier. But I would say that Michael Jackson is uh, the better dancer. Prince is the better musician, and I would say I would say Michael Jackson had the better movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Purple Rain was great for its music. Perfect for its music. Legendary for the music. But the acting sucked. The acting was god awful. I'm a th- I'm a I-, I was a theater major at Guilford College and UNCG. I can say I could tell good and bad acting when I see it. When you take them long, them long drawn out pauses between words, and when you when you when you just it doesn't come off natural. Just ah, it was bad acting. But Michael Jackson was in the Wiz, and the Wiz was legendary. Ease on down the road, indeed. And as we ease on down the road, let's ease on down to our guest. This sister here, this sister here, man. I told her that I'm excited about every interview that I do, every single one, every single one, for uh, for different reasons. But I'm excited about this with some sauce and some pecans on Thanksgiving with it. Uh, because because this is, I've been watching her. We've actually appeared in, I think, two productions together. One of them, she was a bougie, stuck-up, backstabbing bride who got dumped for another dude, who got dumped for a dude at the altar. And the other, she was one of them fast women in church and my director, R.L. Uh, Ron Lavender, shout out to him. My director said to me, look at her butt the entire time. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, I did it. So I've been watching, I've been watching, our, I've been watching, I guess, and the things that we've done together and the things that we, and the things that she's done that I just happened to uh, go check out. And yo, let me tell you, this sister here has so much range to her, so much range. You know what I'm saying? So let's get into this, man, because I could talk, I could talk forever, but I want her to it, but I know that she can speak for herself. So this young lady is a spoken word artist, an author, an actress, songwriter, director, and playwright out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Her main goal is to grab the attention of her audience. Job well done, job accomplished. She is the author of four books. They are entitled Keeping It Real, Volumes 1 and 2, Heartbreaks Exposed, and What Fairy Tale. We are going to talk about What Fairy Tale in length. All available on Amazon. Remember that. Keeping It Real, Volume 1 and 2, Heartbreaks Exposed, and What Fairy Tale. All of them you can purchase on Amazon. She has also released two albums in conjunction with her books. Uh, Heartbreaks is Heartbeats Exposed and What Fairy Tale. Both are available on iTunes and all streaming platforms. So, yo, while you're checking this out on Spotify, 
You can also jam to what fairy tale and heartbeats exposed. Know what I'm saying? She has been involved in several stage productions and films over the past few years, which include y'all ready for it? Find my way, happy misery, fruit, how we got on, if it doesn't kill me, and what fairy tale. Y'all gonna hear a whole bunch of y'all gonna hear so much about what fairy tale that you're gonna start thinking about Disney music. She is currently in production of two movies with her business partner, Rashim Kilo Poe. What up, Kilo? And Save the Arts Films. The two films are Rooster and Caking Up, which she, where she is a writer, producer, director, and actress in the movies. She is also, she is also currently creating content for Save the Arts TV YouTube channel, as well as she is in pre-production for her new album, and the sequel to her stage play, What Fairy Tale Part Two. You want to talk about killing the game, y'all? She's killing it out here, ladies and gentlemen. She is killing it in these streets, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to ADQ's Renaissance, Nakisha T. Brown, better known as Nakisha Rice. Well, Keisha. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Keisha. I mean, daggone. I know you're busy. Thank you for taking, thank you for pausing your, your schedule for us. Greatly appreciate it. Well, my schedule kind of been paused, even though I've been working behind the scenes, you know, the scenes, but, uh, you know, I appreciate this break. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. We appreciate you. You know, uh, Keisha, you probably never realized this, but you're actually a part of history. You're part, you're actually a very part of, very important part of my history. You wanna know how? Yeah. Okay. Seven, when we did seven, that was my first mm -hmm. Greensboro production. Okay. Real talk, that was my first Greensboro production. Not only that, but watching what fairy tale, I think that is what hit the red button in me that said, you know what, Keisha put up her own show, that gonna put up your own show now. Put up your own show. Inspiration, you gotta get it from somewhere. Yes, I yes, and definitely you're part of the people who I got it from. So before we dive into the fairy tale, not a Disney fairy tale, but a Keisha fairy tale. Before we get into mm -hmm. poems that had me ashamed to look at my phone, before we get into all of that, <laughs> take us to the beginning, Keisha. Where does it all start with you? Oh my. Um, I've always written poetry. That's always been my starting point. When I was a kid, like young, I was writing poetry. I was always reading, you know, the little poetry books and stuff. And I remember writing something for like a middle school project. We had to do a project. And I was like, it is nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I'm interested in. So I wrote home and my mom was like, these are really good. I'm gonna get these copyright, you know, copyrighted for you. And I was like, oh, okay. So it, you know, it kind of made me think, well, maybe maybe I'm, I am doing pretty good with this writing and so it was just writing poetry and how I got into the acting was I actually was writing I had a friend Nikki my manager she was my manager at the time and the play February once again Tamika Allen she was looking for um poems for the play and they had they said she so she submitted my poem and then they was like well did you want to be 
in the production. We got auditions, but of course, I work retail, so I work all the time, and I was like, I can't even make the audition because I got to work. And so my manager actually talked to Keisha McCain, and then uh, Keisha McCain was like, you know, that's fine, and I don't know if her and Sumi could discuss it, but then they just said, well, she could just be in the place. So I didn't even audition. <laughs> and so I ended up going to, like, a rehearsal, and from then, that was like 2015. From then on, I just kept going. And I've mainly been in acting. I've done more acting recently than folk to her. You know, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, tell me what you think about this. Me, I've always looked at spoken word cause you know, I dabble in it myself. And I've noticed that it is, a, it is actually a correlation between spoke the world the world's a spoken word and theater because when you are doing spoken word there if you like if you're good at it there are a lot of theatrical aspects in what you're talking about and your delivery that and it's like you're mm-hmm. pretty much up there doing a monologue would you agree yeah i think you gotta if if it's gonna sound right you gotta put a lot of emotion behind it and so that the people can feel what you're saying so i agree yeah, like uh, last night, me, uh, yesterday, me, uh, some friends of mine, Mike Burt, Larry Larry uh, Kyron, can't pronounce that man's last name, and Meredith Stephens, we were talking about Shakespeare. And there was, uh, and with Shakespeare's work, that crazy man put a whole lot of poetry in his stuff. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, when the way I've been watching, I've been watching like, how your stuff has been stacking up over and over and over again. You you, uh, you have said how you have started back in 2015, but at what point did you say, you know what, I'm really digging this acting thing. I'm really digging this. I want to do more of it. Let me do more of it. And then, and then at what point did you start saying, you know what, I like that, but I think I could write something dope myself. Uh, when did those when did those happen? I think that the acting one probably came with that first production, like after we did it on stage and, you know, everybody was there and congratulating me and everything. And I was like, I, you know, I really enjoyed doing it. I really liked it. I mean, it was time consuming with, with all the rehearsals and stuff, but I just, I fell in love immediately with it. I mean, like you said, it was kind of close to a correlation, but it was, it was just something I really just enjoy doing so that was there and then I like I've I've been in a whole bunch like I've been in Amston's Welcome Home Uncle Silky Side Dudes I've been in you know two or two or three RL's plays so it's like I've been in a whole lot of things and you know I actually was scared to put out my play like I kind of wrote it during a downtime in my life and I started writing it and and I saw it and I was like I, I can't do this I can't do this and one day I was just like I'm gonna do it and then, then it came out and once I started like I couldn't stop once once the ball started rolling that was it, it, it I had to keep going so so I know that I know that um, we're going to go ahead and get into what fairy tale. <laughs> I, I, I was there and I saw it. I was there. I was hanging out with uh, my sister and your sister, Nikayla. 
wearing like the mm. wearing like the hey girl hey <laughs> oh yeah and Nikayla was like my Nikayla was my first interview on this so shout out to her um mm-hmm. how did it feel when you I know you were on, I know you were in character one percent but I know there was at least a little a, a, a small side of you that looked out into the Oleon Theater and saw everybody and their mama, their ancestors, their grandmama, everybody there. Basically, to see you, something that you wrote, something that you produced, something that you directed. How did that feel? That felt incredible. Like, I couldn't even say like it was a dream come true because I never ever dreamt that I would be, you know, write a play. That was, that was never, in my intentional goals but just when them curtains like i didn't really i couldn't really see while i was doing myself because i had to you know pay attention i wanted to give the people a show but when the curtains came open and we were out there and i hate talking in front of people and i had to do that little talk i forgot half the stuff i was supposed to say i forgot to even mention my stage crew i felt how nervous i was but it was it was just a great moment, a great feeling to know that people actually do believe in you and what you're doing, and they're they're watching you. You know, you think ain't don't nobody care about this, but actually, they do. And it's not like I went out there hustling trying to sell tickets. I was bringing you tickets. <laughs> I meet you. So it was a lot of work. It was so hard. Um, and like you was you were talking about, you was like you know, you gotta have help. And, you know, Kilo was helping me with my marketing. He was helping me do the, you know, the videos, the music videos, the promotion part. And and it was just hard for me to ask people to, for help. Like, I know my best friend was like, what do you need? And I was like, nothing. You know, it's like, you don't wanna ask for help. I'm one of those people that I don't, I don't ask for nothing. I'm about to be dead before I ask you for something. So that was hard but just to know see everybody out there and show up and know how hard that I worked for that day and to have a good payout like that pay off you know it was it was really good well Keisha see I believe that we all we all God puts uh God put something for us to do in our lives because it's not even supposed to affect us it's supposed to further us but it affects those who are watching and it and as another and me speaking as another artist who does different forms of art i must say that the way that you put together the whole what fairy tale campaign inspired the mess out of me like for real what fairy tale is a book it it is it is a play it is a it is an album like at one second one at one point you're looking at this book you look at this book you're hearing the dope plays that are in it and i mean the dope poems that are in it and then you see a video with you and john black shout out to black you and john black he rapping you going at him hard with a hardcore um spoken word cadence i'm like dang <laughs> yes god black that's my i call him my number one he has been there for me through with all like he was my you know my lead if people don't know he was my lead um character my husband he played my husband in the uh, play 
and I was like, do you want to do these uh, videos with me that kind of stimulate the play and stuff? And he's like, yeah, I'm down. He's always down. And I'll be like, you know, I appreciate him so much, but he he really helped make the play come to life too because his facial expressions and his acting is like oh, superb on another level. So I'm just glad that he's in my corner. You know, you know, like before, prior to, prior to what, uh, I'll put it like this. Uh, I interviewed Black uh, last week, I believe. Yeah, last week. And I, I listened to it, yep. Thank you for listening to it. And I meant to ask him about your collaborate, y'all's constant collaborations, but my 34 year oldness happened and it slipped my mind. So I will ask you <laughs> what? Uh, when did we? Oh my gosh. I didn't meet John until I think this this July is going to be three years. I think we had to talk about it. It was three years. He was on the set of um, the expose when Brandon Bias before we came back to the Bridge film, he was trying to do the expose TV series. And we met at some scene on there. And ever since that day, it was just on. And so I honestly can't remember. Like, I don't think the first project he did was film. I feel like it was Happy Misery. I think he um, told me about his friend that was, she wrote a short, a short film called Happy Misery. And he told her about me and not ended up being in the film so he kind of actually got me into the more into the film because that's when i started doing more film and then from there i know we did something with day black we was in the film fruit we was in the film together um the films that i do i include him in them so it's just we just have a really good chemistry the little skits we do on youtube yeah all yeah, he, he's just like he's my family yeah, no, I'm not. I'm in our skit. That's the Morris. Um, that's the Morris's, but ours is silly behavior on the day the art TV. Oh, my bad. Yo, hold on, hold on. Keisha, <laughs> Keisha, plug that mug. I, it's, what is it? Our skit is Tamaris's. I'm a part of his our skit crew. And silly behavior is the one on our Save the Art TV. Say the RCV, y'all make sure to check that out. Daily behavior. Now let's go back to uh, what fairy tale? What inspired what fairy tale? You know, everybody goes through issues in their relationships, whether you're married, whether you're not married. Um, and if you don't go through it, then y'all, I, I don't know, y'all just the perfect everything. I, I ain't never seen that, but um, I think everybody goes through something. And a lot of people just don't feel like anybody else is going through what they're going through. And so that play pretty much stemmed off of a going through something and spilled out on paper and spilled out on stages. And I think that I've had, I had several people come up after the play and was like, yo, you know, I'm, I'm going through that same thing. And I had some people say, you know, that's very inspiring of you to put, put you know, your story out there, kind of. And um, it's just, you just never know what other people are going through and what you can do to either help to let them know that they're not alone or either something to just give them a good feeling to know that it's okay to feel the way that they're feeling. You know, another thing that another thing that 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 that, that what fairy tale did for me, 
first of all, if you ever start a what fairy tale fan club, yo, go ahead and put me in it because I'm just a fan, and I'm pretty sure I won't be a, a fan of what fairy tale too. But one thing that it did for me, speaking as a person who's never been married but has been through a lot of women, it it made me think to myself, what am I doing wrong? Am I communicating? What do I? What is it about Adrian that I need to um, take care of or fix before you know God brings uh, my uh, my uh, ever after into my life? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what what very ever after. Yeah, ever uh, uh, ever after happily ever after. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and another thing that it said to me was. Another thing it said to me was a lot of young people tired of not thinking that it's gonna be a fairy tale. But that place said, nah, it ain't gonna be no daggone fairy tale. Yes. Mm-mm. Yes, there's that's make believe. It is. It is. But it's compromise. It's that unbreakable cord that, that's in the uh scripture that I read earlier. Now now here's uh why I call here's why I said that you are very multifaceted because I saw how in what fairy tale you were a fed up housewife, how um in seven you were let's see, what's the what's the bet what's the core? I was about <laughs> to say church hole, but yeah, exactly. You said it for me. But but Oh yeah, and and that gone if you didn't kill it being all bougie and um and but that's another story. That gone you killed it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the most recent. Yes. But but I saw like your nice friendly girl girl next door that you could girl that you could take home to mama and uh welcome home Uncle Silky. With that, you had, with that, you had Corey Jones, you had, uh, you had uh, Amston, you had Kamundi, uh, and y'all did that at Triad Stage. What was that experience like? That was, um, that was fun because that was really like the first comedy I was in, even though my part wasn't comedic. It's like I always have to play the drama part you know the scorned woman or the wife you know and that play I wasn't the scorned woman and it was a comedy my very first comedy so every rehearsal was hilarious we were just rolling the whole time and I know when I went to I actually went to audition I asked my boss I left work I was like can I leave work and come back I left work went to the audition because it was down the street on Wendover somewhere and I auditioned for the bougie girl. And so Morgan was the director then. And so they all was, you know, Morgan answered for it. They were all in there. And so I left, I, you know, I did an okay job, I'm thinking. And I get an email and Morgan was like, I don't want you for that part, but I want you for this part. For the least part, and I was like, okay, well that's fine. And then she, you know, sent me lines, and we worked out that. But she was like, she was supposed to. Morgan was supposed to play the least part, and then she was like, when I was in there, she just saw me as least. So then I ended up 
getting that part. So that's one good thing. Like, even if you go audition for something, you just never know. Even if they don't like you for that, they may like you for something else. Uh, say that again. Say that again. That is a lesson for everybody out there. Exactly. I said, if you are, yeah, if you audition for something, still just you know give your best because even if they don't like you for what you audition for, you can never know what they see in you for another role. Yes, like in this business, you have to have tough skin because you're going to hear you're going to hear more no's than you're going to hear yeses, right? Yes. And the nose they hit hard, but you can't let them knock you out. You gotta take, you gotta take an uppercut to the jaw, but you can't let them knock you out. You gotta get up and get back in the game. Next audition, let me learn these monologues. And the nose also help you start to create your own content. Oh, you don't want? I'm gonna make my own movie. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna make my own show. That's when you start reaching out and you start, you know. Learning new things like Kilo's, he's been he's actually been teaching me a whole lot. Like I know how to edit now and film. I've been you know I've been behind the camera now, so I've been editing all the little um the the skits. Most of the skits we've done, I've edited quite a few of them, and I've been ed- I edit my um little poetry videos. I sent you. I did those edits myself. So it's like you start to learn your whole operation. So if I know how to if I can act, if I can write, I can video, I can direct. I I got the whole package. So I know you know you know how to do everything. Guess what, Casey? You're basically a brand now. You're a brand. You're a brand. <laughs> you can do all that. So So um so what? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. So I'm gonna ask you about your techniques in a minute. But first we got to talk about these poems that you sent me. I mean, either you were like, I want to find the most powerful poems ever, or you were like, I want to tell Adrian something. One of those. No. <laughs> no I'm playing, but, I was not telling you something. But, yo, you got to tell, you got to take me into the creative process and the inspiration behind these two pieces. Hashtag. Okay. What's up? What what was hashtag all about? I know what it was all and about. People. <laughs> hashtag. I honestly I I wrote that about three years ago. But you know, when I do my books, like I try to fit the you know, I try to fit the same stuff together so it could be like, you know, a collection of, you know, the same area of stuff. But with hashtag, I wrote it because I was sick and tired at that time. I was tired of seeing the hashtag symbol. I couldn't stand it. I wouldn't do it. Uh, John Black, John is actually the one that made me start doing hashtags. He's like, you need the hashtag? I was like, for what? I don't want those hashtags. I can't stand them. But um, it's basically, it's the poem is pretty much about just being on social media. You're always on your phone, always on your laptop. you always... Uh, so on social media, everybody's in their phone that, that they lose their they they're disconnected from reality because they're always on their phone. And social media, most of it is fake. Like what people be posting, in my thoughts, most of it's fake. So it's like it's not reality in my mind. Right, right. And um, 
zombie music zombie music um it's just the the new the new rap for me and i wrote this a couple years ago too the new rap for me just i don't feel like they're talking about much they're not really to me it's just what they what they selling on the street what they smoking what they sick is and i know like my nephew he had and this was in this one this was recent he had a picture and he had a gun and i'm like what are you doing what are you doing like i'm i don't know for some reason a gun it just it just went over and i just feel like the rap music is an influence for these kids nowadays and they're thinking that that's cool but when you end up behind bars or you end up dead in the ground then when who is it cool to this because you're thinking that this fake style that these rappers are putting out here is something that you need to be doing when it, it isn't in my in my eyes now other people could think i'm wrong but i don't care for the new music and i don't care for what it promotes so it's 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 crazy that you it's crazy that you say that because um I'm not going to I'm not going to put your I'm not going I'm not going to say your age or anything because that's very rude. But I'm going to say that we're very close in age, right? We're from I'm 37. <laughs> and my peep my people, she don't look it at all. She don't look it. I'm not I'm not I'm not like I'm not like I'm not like lying or caking or anything. She don't look a day over freaking twenty seven or twenty five. So what I'll is? Take it. <laughs> say what? I said I'll take it. You, Keisha, you don't. You really don't. Like <laughs> you have not. Like you were thirty two when we first met. You haven't aged none. So okay, you're thirty seven. I'm thirty four. And you put it side by side, I'm going to look like the older one. Anywho, um, I feel like I'm like, is it is it kind of like our generation that looks like looks at uh, t- this current generation's rap music as complete and other garbage? Oh, that's the way I see it. Garbage. In fact, they gives garbage a bad name. Garbage track. Yeah, I I think it is. Like I don't know what the age is when it when it cuts off, but. Yeah, because I know my niece is 21 and about to be 21 and she's all in that music too, so I I can't I can't do it. Like what like one of my students uh was pulling up XXX to Nashion the day. And I said, No, no, get out I don't want to see all that depressed music, all that sad I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm about to do drill. Man, get out of here with that stuff. <laughs> it's it's crazy. We, I had a something. I um, one of my friends, and you know, they put the little things. Pick your birthday month and this, and you got to do a. They got to do a mixtape where you survive. And so it, it was J Cole and Baddie Bad Baby or something. The baby. Some, no, no, no. It's a girl. It's oh, Bad Bad Baby. Bad bait, something like that. I don't know, but I looked her up, and I was like, I just wasted two minutes of my life because <laughs> it was it. It was horrible. I was like, what is this? Oh my god! Look her up. Bad baby, I think. 
don't look her up. Matter of fact, don't. <laughs> two minutes of your life. Two minutes of your life that you'll never get back. No. <laughs> but, but me, I'm a fan of lyricists. That's what I like. You say J Cole, love J Cole. Yeah. Rhapsody. I like him. Rhapsody. Both on North Carolinians. Little brother. Pray. Mm-hmm. Nas. Don't get me in a hip hop conversation. I could talk all day about it. Now, but I will, but I will bring, uh, but, but you know, uh, I will say this about hip hop. True hip hop is poetry. You're telling, you're saying something, right? Mm-hmm. And back to your poetry. I remember once when we were at, when we were at an open mic night where you were the featured artist, right? Mm-hmm. You're out there spitting power as you always do, but there was one piece that you were talking about. I forgot the title, but one piece you were talking about that really got my attention. You were spitting. You were speaking from the soul about your experience in church. I feel ah, uh, not without sin. Not without sin. Take us there. What uh, what was that all about? Um, so growing up, I really didn't go to church. My dad was Muslim. So we went to the mm, We went to the mosque, the temple. Um, and then my dad was kinda out of my life for a little bit. So then I didn't go to church from like age six <laughs> up until my freshman year of no, my senior year of college was my best friend is when I met my best friend in 2004 and I went to her church so I've been going to that church ever since but um it's just been sometimes you just see some people that just seem so fake in the church and you know extra and it just sparked something in me one day and that poem came about because it is some fake phony people in the church acting like they're holy when they're not at least, at least I know that I got a whole bunch of flaws, and I've done had a whole bunch of sin, and I don't act like I have it. You know, the funny, the, the 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 crazy thing about that is, I heard that I heard that one, I heard that piece at a time when I was like throwing the middle finger up at church and at Christianity in general, because. Mm. All of that has just become like a complete turnoff to me. But then I had to go deep down inside and find my own relationship with God and say, yeah. okay, what? how do I rock? Because unlike a lot of Christians and the fact that your father's Muslim, I'm pretty, um, I think you might attest to this, just, uh, Lack of Christianity, lack of Christianity is not necessarily not necessarily a guaranteed trip to hell. Like when I you listen your own to relationship with God, then yes, I don't feel like church. Uh, a church is good. Church is good to go get the word, but I don't feel like it's a necessity that you got to go to church in order to go. Exactly. Exactly. I mean. I mean, yeah, like you just said, it's an it, it, it's a necessity, but it's not, you know, the the world is not going to uh, come to a complete end if you don't go. Yeah. 
because the way what you were saying that felt like church right there so tell me this Keisha um with all that you've with all that you're doing with all that you're involved in and whatnot I want to ask you how do you prepare for different for different hats that you have on like say you're casting something and it's a character that you've never played before and you feel like there you feel like you need to take the necessary steps to prepare for it what uh what are those steps that you would take to prepare for any role um that definitely is something that i haven't done or i feel comfortable with doing i'm gonna i'm gonna google some stuff you know i'm gonna youtube and check out some of the if it's a nurse you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go watch you know the resident or whatever and look at the nurse how they do that video that's one of my favorite and <laughs> you know you know study that and then i like to do my i like to you know do my lines and do them in different ways to see which way feels more comfortable with me to know that when i deliver it it's gonna be more like me but still the role so it doesn't look awkward um and just i think practice practice because if you don't know your lines then it's gonna be hard to get them out I agree. I agree. So, and that's a lesson for all actors, right there. Uh, right there, know your lines. Yeah, because the quicker you know your lines, the more you can play with them. So, so let me ask you this: When you now that you are wearing the director, producer the director producer writer hat let's let's go to the director slash producer hat so now you are in a place where there are pro there are projects out there that will not even see the light of day unless you say you know what this is something that i'm willing to spend my time on right mm -hmm. so what so what's the process of you feeling doing that like like say a script comes across you how do you make the how do you make the decision that hey we're going to do this this is going to be this is going to be what me and kilo start working start working on how does that happen well i, I haven't had any scripts come across <laughs> yet 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 um actually um actually i did talk to um my best friend, he, one of her friends, he, I'm not going to say what he's interested in doing a project. And he reached out to me like uh, last, the beginning of last week about a project. So that's actually like the first outside of Kilo person that's actually reached out to me about a project. So that was actually pretty, pretty exciting to know that, you know, somebody's seeing my work and liking what they see. Um, but these two were Kilos. And of course, you know, Kilo don't do no scripts. I, I'm a, I'm more, I'm a little more organized, and I would prefer a script. But these were his, pro these were his two ideal concepts. So I went with the way, you know, that he was doing them, and um, he gave me the script, and I actually, he had like outlines, and I filled in quite a bit. You know, I started writing 
stuff and you know to fill in the movies so I help contribute to write them and everything but just being having to get the people schedule the people having to schedule the time to film having to do anything that has to get a whole bunch of people together that was a headache I'm gonna tell you that right there <laughs> that was a headache all day and like my best friend would say she she, she I put her in my films too hey Jelly that's why but um she was she says that when she comes on set she know not to bother me because i would give her one of those looks like sit down somewhere <laughs> until we get to your part you know like when i become the director i'm more and i i'm very self-conscious of people's time i do not like to waste people's time because i've been in so many rehearsals so many shows so many movie sets and it's like I feel like my time has been wasted where things could have been getting done, but people were joking around and um, fooling around. And so I like to go, all right, this is next, this is next, this is next, because I want to get people out so they can get back to their life and me get back to my life. Like people say, I'd be rushing to finish just to go home. Yeah, because I'm always on the run. I'm always running. I want to get home and I want to relax. So I think I, I turn into somebody different when I'm on set and when I'm in that role as being the director and the you know the producer I'm I'm totally like let's get this done well you know what I you know what I remember um anybody who doesn't know me knows that I am a self-promoter I will promote the mess out myself and so after um when we were on when we were at the premiere of Butter I kept saying to you and Kilo, I was like, "Yo, when y'all holding auditions, I'm trying, I'm trying to come, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to uh, work with y'all or whatever, right?" And yeah. you had that business <laughs> face on when you said we shooting in Winston Salem tomorrow. You know, you had that business face on. That one, uh, <laughs> that one, a uh, homegirl, incredibly nice Keisha. That no, that was businesswoman. And you know, and you know, um, I respect that because, because. At the end of the day, this can be a passion and a hobby, or it could also be a business, one or the other. And when you're, and like you said, you don't want to waste people's time. So, so I hope, so I'm pretty sure you um, had that had that approach to anybody who's saying, uh, "Yo, can we collaborate? Yo, can we work together and stuff." make sure uh you need to make sure that everybody has their a's and b's together correct i will i will hope so <laughs> I will oh hope yeah so. oh yeah i worked with people before who didn't have the a's and b's together like once upon a time this back in uh 2013 i was in a play in winston-salem i'm not going to say anything else about uh who or what it was uh -huh. i'll just say that the production crew would show up the rehearsal late. The director, the, uh, the lady who was producing the thing, obviously didn't know what she was doing. And I would usually be there, I would usually be there like an hour early. I, I try always try to show up to rehearsal early. I would usually be there like an hour early and then I will, and then I will wait and my part came in at the end of the show. I would sometimes go entire rehearsals with, uh, without being used at all. Oh my God, I have to. 
I have two. When I did what fairy tale, I made out a schedule. So I had rehearsals every Monday, but every Monday it wasn't for everybody. Like one Monday it would just be me and John, and we would just do all you know as our scenes that I had scheduled for that day to work on. And then you know the next Monday it might have just been uh, Paris and Tyson, and then then maybe I had a whole group one. But I when I did it like that, I felt like that's your day so you don't have to be you know you don't have to be late because you're not coming but maybe twice a month instead of every rehearsal and then only not being used you know what I'm saying so that was another one of my time things like I only need you twice this month like you you can make it and I only had um one person was only one person was late I believe Anderson was late like 10 minutes one time and that that was really it and I think it's because I didn't just pull everybody in every time and it and it allows you to focus when there's more people if if just me and John was working on the scene and it's 15 people in the room they're gonna be talking and laughing amongst themselves inter- interrupting and distracting so it just it makes it where you can focus more. exactly exactly because then you'll be able to Go over your lines, go over blocking, go over ideas that you, mm-hmm. that you as a director, may have that for that particular scene. So I get that one hundred percent. Um, let us see, let's see. I'm having see, I'm having another thirty-four year old moment. Don't you just hate when that happens? <laughs> um, I tell you, uh, I'll ask you this. So as an artist. When you are casting, what uh, what what is your casting process? Um, sometimes some people just pop automatically in my head for people that you know I don't know. Um, that for people that I know for what I'm doing, most of the time when we when I do a production or something, I already have somebody in mind that I know because you know I want I want all of us to to make it you know I want everybody to make it so I'm going to use the people that I know that I've worked with with me with that now when we were doing for taking up we needed some kids and we needed some kids to kind of look like some of the adults so that was merely based upon looks like for the most part like for who played the younger camp version of Terrence King and the boy that plays the uh, Dorian who plays the younger version of Big Lope when y'all see the younger version of Big Lose and him, y'all gonna be like, that was a good one, for real. Mm-hmm. But um, most of the time, as of right now, I always have somebody in mind. Like, I, I haven't done any auditions for anybody. Well, me, when I put on my play, I did I did do auditions. I uh, hit up Facebook, Southern Casting Call, all that just see who will be interested and okay i'm going to run a scenario by you and let me know if you and tell me if you had to deal with this before right okay so excuse me my time uh my plate time i'm already a nervous wreck because this is my first time putting up a play almost all of the nerves that you went through with what fairy tale i had go through with time uh, side note: You were actually one of the one of the first people that I thought about 
for the role of Jessica in time. It's just I didn't have the gall to actually um, to actually ask you, but feel special in that regard. Yeah, but I think remember I think I asked you about the date, but I was uh, scheduled to be on vacation the date. Oh yeah, oh yeah, another thirty-four year, another thirty-four moment. <laughs> but so tell me this. Uh, so I ended up. I ended up see time was a three-person play because that schedule that schedule thing is real you know having to deal with people's schedule and stuff and lives and whatnot is a headache so i said you know what i want to deal with no headaches except for my own but i need people so i'm going to just cast two other people i ain't gonna worry about myself because i do what i do i do what i do when you know that the the first two people that I cast both of them had to be replaced. The only cast member of my play who wasn't replaced was me. <laughs> One woman did not like that I was using music from YouTube and she was very uncomfortable with language. And another, and another girl, I'm not saying no names, but this individual got drunk and hungover and unable to make a Saturday rehearsal two weeks before the opening of the play. Oh, wow. At that point, I almost canceled the play until Keith, until um, Nikayla, Nikayla crazy self going taught me out of it. So then I was blessed with Miss Harriet Burnett. I know you know Harriet. I don't. Oh, you don't know Harriet? Mm. Both of y'all had done G-Hop stuff. You don't know Harriet? Oh, Harriet, I do. But yeah, I never I never ended up in a G-Hop play. I was supposed to be in one, but then, you know, JoJo had those health issues and then it never happened. Oh, all right. So um, I was blessed with Miss Harriet Burnett. Who, who played her role in, in an incredible way. And I was blessed with this young lady named Letitia Hines, who was off book two days after being cast. Wow. Who drove in from Charlotte. Yo, in fact, I would say to all directors, all producers out there, Letitia Hines, look her up. She's on my Facebook, Letitia Hines, she's in Charlotte. One of the greatest actions you'll ever work with in your entire life. So my question to you, Keisha, is have you ever had to deal with that? Crazy circumstances causing you to have to recast. Now, because, you know, my friend Tyson is off the grid, so I have to recast his role for part two. Now, I did have where I had my uh, album release for What Fairy Tale and the place where I was supposed to do the day of, the day of, she called and said that the roof came in because of water, because of the rain, and the roof fell in, and I had to cancel my album release and reschedule it. I was I was devastated. I was just in the bed. I was just in the bed rocking. <laughs> like, I can't believe this. But, um... It still went on two weeks later. Of course, 
it I couldn't do it on a, on a weekend, and I had to find a different venue, so it wasn't as big of a turnout, but I still got it done. Still got it done. You know, I know that um, you're nine to five. Uh, you're nine to five. You work. Uh, you're an assistant manager over at uh, Joint over on Windover, right? I forgot the name of it. But we're talking about art here, so you do not have to do that. In fact, I'm not. Even, in fact, um, I was gonna say you're an assistant manager. I believe that it is you serving as an assistant manager in that capacity. That is what been, what has been what has allowed you to be like a boss lady. I mean, boss lady. Uh, sir, to work as a CEO, organizer, director, producer, and all that, and, and all the art, and all the art pieces that you do. It's yeah. like you, you never know where God puts you in life because it just might be preparing, uh, 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 preparing for something powerful down the road. I take that all day as yeah, I take that. It, it really is because at work I'm over the associate schedule like I got 20 associates that I gotta do the schedule for every week everybody comes to me because they don't everybody comes to me and not my boss like not the store manager everybody comes to me and for everything so it's like I and it's I know know that a lot of times when I'm places even though it's not involving me I'm paying attention because I always have to pay attention to what's going around me with my associates so that if they messing up on something, I can, you know, get over there and help help them correct it. So it really is, like, it, it really has been preparing me for this because just having to be in charge and having to be the person that everybody comes to, it's a lot. Well, see, you're, well, number one, you're a people person, like, you're just a very lovable person. You're you're very you're very nice. You're very you're very humane. You're very approachable. You are just a very very nice person, and you show that it's possible to be nice yet be in charge and not be a butthole. Also, not be walked over be walked over or take advantage of either. Yeah, it is. I take That's, that when you have. If you have people that respect you, then they do more for you. You know, they try a little harder for you. Like, um, I know my manager was like, you be too nice. You be too nice to them. I said, but guess what? I don't ever have to check and make sure they doing what I asked them to do. And I believe that, and I believe that the more, the more projects that you, that you do and give the world that, that's going to translate into that uh in that into that realm does that make sense into being more of a director type producer type realm no what i'm saying is i believe that i believe that how people at your nine to five work harder for you because they because you have that you have that level of respect with them and stuff I believe that because of how you lead, I believe that in as uh, in as you do more directing and producing in the art in the um, film theater realm, I believe that the same thing is going to happen. 
Like I, I get, I think I get it. In other words, say, say you cast me for something, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully that will happen one day. But anyway, say you, say you cast me for something, right? Me with my, me not only with my experience and training, me just knowing you and knowing the and knowing the sweetheart that you are. I'm going to dag on bend back, bend over backwards and jump through fiery hoops and walk on coals to make sure to give you a product that you will be bragging about and that you'll still be bragging about in dag on 30 years. I will do all that to give I will do all that to give you a product that you that right before you take your last breath, you will be thinking about that product. And and you're the type of leader where I feel that anybody who is truly dedicated to their art would do would do the same thing. I take that too. Oh yeah, you definitely. I just make it less of a headache. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, Keisha, tell me this. You gave me a, you gave us a little bit of a preview of coming attractions, but what does the future hold for you? Oh, um, I think right now I'm looking for towards to um, some premiere dates for movies. Um, what Fairy Tale 2 is already written. I I actually want to try to do it in September, but with everything that's going on right now, I'm I'm not sure with release date. Even though it's finished, um, my 313 album um, is actually a rap album. Uh, I'm dedicating it to my sister. She you know she passed away last March, and um, I just had a lot of um, thing, you know, lyrics, lyrics, words, everything was just, you know, coming out, and so I'm just gonna dedicate it to 313, 313 is my birthday, so the album is gonna be called 313, so that's gonna be dedicated to her, I'm working with Morris, he, he's really like, I'm going to the studio, and I'm doing my rap, and he's making the beat while I'm doing the rap. So that's how um, we've been working. So hopefully I'll, I'll get my album out. But other than that, I think that's it. And then any doors that God opens for me and I am able to do, of course, I'm going to do it. So hold up. Pump the brakes. So you are about to drop an album called 313 and it is going to be a rap album. You're not doing that confrontational, powerful spoken word like you always, that slam poetry type of spoken word that you do when you really into it. You're actually rapping. I am rapping. I have one, I have one spoken word. It's, it's, it's going to be a mixture because I did write two songs that um, I know Javetta is Javetta uh, Milton on the album Otis Simpson and Music Owl and I think my friend Michelle Best 
I so totally want to hear this <laughs> because look, I'm going back to the joint where it was you and Black going back and forth. Rap of uh, Black was rapping. You were coming with the slam poetry, but I felt like you was about ready to jump into a more rap type cadence. <laughs> oh, I'm here for it. Yep. So you know, of course, I was like, I don't know if I should do that, but you know what? I don't care. I'm. It's. It, I don't care. It don't nobody buy. It don't matter. It's for me. In my. You know what? You know what? Everybody gonna buy it, right? <laughs> right. Of uh, my 173 listeners. It'll be down, it'll be up to 200 after this episode, right? Everybody, we are going to support 313. 313. And it's, and I love that you're dedicating it to your sister. That is very beautiful. Here's a, here is something ironic about that. You worked with Tamaris Ellis on it. Yes. I know I met Tamaris in his previous life as the leader of a gospel group i forgot the name of it christ no it wasn't christ dynasty relational religion something like that right Mm -hmm. there was a saxophone player in it shante mccoy you ask morris about her he'll tell you all about her he knows her well i know her well she was my sister i i dedicate to her everything that i do because i love because she was a big sister to me shante mccoy she died uh, back in 2014 because of brain aneurysms. And, you know, I think about her a lot. Miss her. Love her. She's always called me Oscar winner. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really hope she was speaking that into my life, but it might have been tainted because she did that wearing a, while wearing a Duke shirt. So, I don't know. We're just going to let God work it. I'm, I'm, I'm from up north, so I'm a Yukon fan. Time out. Hold up. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, I did not know that you were from up north. Where are you from? Where are you from? Bridgeport, Connecticut. The hood. Lord, is it like every single Keisha I know is supposed to be Connecticut? Be from Connecticut? <laughs> oh, Keisha, you and my Keisha big sister, Keisha McCain. Yep. Yep. I knew that. So, what brought you down here? bad neighborhood so my mama was getting us away from up there my grandmother's family uh lived in burlington north carolina we actually when we moved here first we went to south carolina to check it out and then we ended up in north carolina so my daddy moved down here first and then he came after he got situated he came and lived in Houstonville. so forgive me for being ignorant but I did not know that there was even such a thing as a bad neighborhood in Connecticut. <laughs> yes. Bridgeport is the straight hood. Like, I, if I go up there now, I wouldn't even walk down the street by myself. Mm-mm. I didn't know that there was such a thing as the hood in Connecticut. Yeah. I just learned something new tonight. You all learned it here. There is a hood in Connecticut. <laughs> So, um, Keisha, tell me this. 
who are your influences? Cause I'm looking at the way you move and stuff, and I'm seeing a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of Queen Latifah, because Queen Latifah is a boss. Queen Latifah is a queen. Queen Latifah, she has dominated the worlds of hip hop, jazz music, acting. She has just been great at everything she does. Yes, she wears many hats, executive, uh, producer, all that. Who are your influences as a woman as a woman in this field? I definitely, you know, have been on the Easter Ray wave. Like I feel like she broke a lot of, you know, barriers to come from her little YouTube show and then end up on HBO. Like and then I know she does like some other stuff. She has like a sip with Easter Ray, you know, a little talk show. So I think that right at this moment, like he was the mover and shaker that was kind of inspiring me to press forward. I'm not as deep as, you know, Ava. Ava, is it Duvernay? She, yeah, Duvernay. She gets deep with her stuff. I, I ain't that deep with my writing. <laughs> yes. Yet. Yet. So, um, gotta start small. Gotta start baby steps. Man, Keisha, Keisha. If you read some of the stuff that I wrote, that I write, or if you even watch Time, I'm gonna take you, uh, it, it gets deep. When I first started writing rap lyrics myself, I would say something corny like, I'm the man without seduction, I'm, I need no introduction, I'm the ladies man, I'm the people champion, all the people in my clan call me ADQ. That was when hey. I was 14. Hey. It's brutal, I said. So you will get deep. But who else uh, influences you? I really like um, Viola Davis and Kerry Washington. Mm. Um, I think that they have been doing some amazing stuff in the um, industry. Like that little fire, that's a good show. And I think Kerry Washington is actually a producer on that show as well. That's acting in it. And, and I'm not, I think she may be right too. But um, okay. I think those are some very powerful black women in the industry. Angela Bassett, too, because she's producing 911 and the 911 Lone Star. Like, you know, not just acting, they're being a part of production and directing. So, doing, doing more than one thing. So, I love that because y'all, black women, y'all have been the first to walk this earth y'all have given birth to most of the earth nah, all of the earth yeah you are the most looked over mistreated and abused on this earth yeah. and seeing you all in positions of power I love seeing that and I say that as a man but I also say I also say that as you know, it's like what Tupac said. We all came from a woman, got a name from a woman, and I came from a woman. All my game, my name, and I came from a beautiful, wonderful black woman. Hi, moms. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mom. So, seeing y'all in positions of power, I love that. That's why I'm just completely salivating at how you've, at how you've come so far 
from being the church hoe whose butt I was looking at ah. to where <laughs> to <laughs> to where you dang it get together cute to where to where you are at now the 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 businesswoman the the institution the the there's another word I'm trying to find but you but the I'm going to find it later but the the powerhouse that you are and and I could tell that going forth you are going to continue to provide the world with incredible uplift and truthful stories that help your that help your people rise up. I'm gonna do my best. You could do it. You could you could definitely do it. Um but I do got a question for you in the in this regard. In this regard. Um when we were doing but that's another story. What part of that incredibly crazy contorted mess of a production that was a beautiful mess? Shout out Jackie Sanders. Shout out to her. Shout out to RL because I love it when he's just improv and looked at you and said, not too red bone, sit down. <laughs> Tell me this, and I I want I'm bringing this up because we need to we need to get better as people and there has been a horrible separation between parts of us have you ever endured any form of colorism yes well of course a lot of people think that i'm bougie that i'm gonna be bougie when they meet me um but i'm not and i know I've had one of my um, friends, uh, she she tells me, she told me several times, she said, you are the prettiest, ugly girl I ever know. <laughs> she said, I don't act like I'm cute. Um, it's not, it's, that's not what I'm about. I'm just, I'm just me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I have had that. And then I've had um, where people probably think I just got the robe or that I probably was light skinned and, you know, slightly cute, but not for, you know, for the right reason. But then they may see me act and be like, oh, okay, well, she was okay. <laughs> you know, she did okay. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm here to say as a dark skinned brother or chocolate brother, oh, heck, both, whatever. If Rick James would have told me, he would have called me darkness right along with Eddie and Charlie Murphy. <laughs> I would have been a darkness cousin. But I'm here to tell you that, you know, colorism is something that took place on the plantation. It's where they, it's where they, it's where the mindset where the, that the lighter uh, slave or the lighter black people were better than the dark ones. The lighter ones were better than the class, whatnot. And the darker ones were the ignorant ones, and that is a lie because they were still slaves too. Mm-hmm. Go fast forward into fast forward into history, and you know how um, media and ignorance and miseducation has allowed us to carry forth that narrative that is so untrue. Yep. 
My sister, Tia, she's really my cousin, but I love like a sister. She's my sister. She's the same complexion that you are. I still love her. I will fight for her. She looks at me like a big, she looks at me and says, big bro, you fight the same, you still have the same roots and fight the same fights as any, as any dark skin sister, as any chocolate sister walking around. So, I would say to any anyone who are colorists, stop looking at people like stop looking at people like our sister Keisha here and saying, "Oh, you want to be white?" Nah, she ain't want to be white. She black and then black, black, black. She your sister. Hug her and love her, and not and don't be um and don't and don't ascribe to ignorance. And you know what? I had to tell myself that once upon a time, I really did. I don't think I've had, but, you know, I've had um, pieces. I know I have a piece about my complexion and how it came about and stuff in my Heartbeats Exposed book. And if I just talking like the little visual poetry, I have a friend who is a dark skin and she wanted me to write a poem for her about her grandmother would just, just despise her from the day she was born because she was dark skin her horribly so that's one of the visual poems that I actually did as well so you know I, I definitely understand um, you know her stories and written pieces about it as well you know what I think that's I think that's another film or play or whichever one you want to write that right there is something right there I really just say that that right there is something right there. Yeah. That there's a story right there. <laughs> that right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to show my North Carolina side. So, Keisha, as we uh, start to bring this to a close, instead of like, instead of like, um, instead of like going along the parameters of how this corona crap is going to permit us to put out great work. When is what fairy tale two going? Uh, when is it coming out? I, I was saying uh, a little earlier. I wanted to try to do September, um, middle September. So I, I guess I just have to see. Now I'm not gonna have no album or no book with this one because this was that was draining to get all three out, and <laughs> so. Um, but I'm still pushing for September. I don't know though. I can't be. I can't guarantee. No album or no book. You can't even give me an album or a book <laughs> for my 35th birthday, Keisha. I'm gonna have an album, but it's just not gonna really pertain to what fairy tales. Some of the, some of the, two of the tracks, two or three of the tracks might pertain to it, but. It doesn't really pertain to the play, to the play. Like my mind is all over the place. My birthday is September first. I want a daggone album, but I ain't gonna count that three one three because I want to hear you rapping. I almost want to tell you to uh, drop some bars right now. No sir. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey, hey, good thing you're not on Sway in the morning. Sway will tell you to come with some bars. I might send you a sample for your own ears. 
Okay, okay. I so I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. And um and and after I hear three one three and enjoy it, I'm gonna get on here and, and, and review it. And you know what? When you get ready to uh, release it, I would like to have you come on come on here and promote it if you if you be if uh, you would like if you be interested. Of course, definitely. That'd be great. So, um, so Keisha, if people wanted to tell you how dope of a writer you are in all forms that you are in all forms that you write, or they wanted to submit their headshot in a real in a real in a resume, uh, just to get your attention so that you so so that you could cast them in something, or if they just wanted to give you a visual hug, I mean, uh, uh all your an email hug since they can't give you no 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 a virtual hug since they can't give you a real hug because it's corona crap <laughs> how can people get in touch with you on all the social media facebook instagram i don't really be on twitter my instagram goes to my twitter uh snapchat everything i am nakisha right n-a-k-e-s-h-a-w-r-i-t-e-s um my email nakisha right three at gmail.com Okay, and if you want to contact me and uh, tell me, um, tell me whatever. Number one, my email is adq apple doll queen for the number four Christ as in Jesus Christ at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter is avenue adq underscore eighty five. Uh, my Instagram is Dion Chocolate Guy eighty five, and my Facebook is my entire government name. Adrian Dion Quarles, A D R I A N D I O N Q U A R L E S. Now, Keisha, before we go, tell them one more time about your projects that you got going, that you got coming out. Uh, some people don't, uh, some people don't listen. Ooh, tell them one last time, please. Let's run them down. Um, Rooster, run down. Rooster the movie, taking up the movie, save the arts YouTube channel, three one three album. What fairy tale part two? Did I miss something? I don't know. <laughs> and the visual poetry that that's gonna be coming to say the art YouTube TV as well. You also need to write a poem, how to be thirty-seven and look like you and look like your dad on twenty-five. Get some water. <laughs> Drink water. I got my water. Leave that Hennessy alone. Get you some water. That is. All right. Well, Keisha, thank you so much for your time and and your information. And I gotta tell you, I am very, 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 very inspired by all the moves that you're making. Like, I know I got a fourth mixtape in me. I've been writing. I've been writing plays. I'm about to act in. We gonna do it. Much do about nothing. Excuse me. I'm about to have a Zoom reading coming up, and yeah, um, I'm you just how you spread out your artistic um, creation and stuff all over the place is very, very inspiring. And I thank you, and I will be remiss if I did not tell you that you are a very valued, loved, and necessary member of the Renaissance. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate all those. Thank you.
Oh, they were not only kind words, but they were, but they were truthful words, ma'am. Very truthful. So, with that being said, thank you again, Keisha. Keep on inspiring us all. Um, this has been another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. Everybody have a blessed evening, Keisha. You have a wonderful you have a wonderful evening. I can't wait to hear them bars. Definitely.